When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome to Real Vision Crypto. Enjoy today's show. Hello and welcome to Real Vision Crypto Unwrapped, a new show in which we cut through the noise and hype surrounding digital assets to get you ahead of the curve and bring you key takeaways for investing in crypto, Web3, and beyond. I'm Leslie Lamb, CMO of CoinFlex and host of the Crypto Unstacked podcast. I'm joined today by Real Vision's associate producer, Marco Oliveira, and crypto editor, Ash Bennington. We also have a special guest. Ari Redboard is the head of legal and government affairs at TRM Labs, a blockchain intelligence company. He'll help us look at an overarching question many crypto enthusiasts and skeptics alike have been asking. What guardrails should have been in place to prevent what happened to Terra and Luna? Please send us your questions. You can do it through our Pro Crypto Discord channel, the Real Vision Exchange, our website, YouTube, or Twitter. I'd love to hear from you. Let's get into it. Ash, what's the latest price action? Well, Bitcoin's bouncing back a little this week, back above 30,000. Uh, on my terminal right now, it looks like 31,802. Um, you know, some interesting things we've seen. Bitcoin dominance also rising. BTC dominance right now at 44%. That's up about 4% in the last 30 days, uh, suggesting a flight to better capitalize somewhat less speculative crypto assets. Not surprisingly, there are concerns that the recovery may be short-lived given the volatility we've been seeing in this space. Talking of which, I spoke with Imran Laka, founder of Options Insight. Uh, he sees potential for another big sell-off in Bitcoin. Let's take a look at the clip. I think we're in a corrective bounce from that third wave sell-off. I think we're in that fourth wave bounce. And I think once that gets exhausted, I think it gets exhausted somewhere between 33K and 38K. Then I think the final impulse move down, which will be a fifth wave of some kind, will take us to the ultimate bottom that we will reach in this larger degree move down, right? So if I zoom out a bit, you can see that, you know, this, you had a big move down there in, in May 21. You had a massive bounce there. And then this move, this trend down, I'm seeing has potentially got legs towards that 20K area, which I could see being an ultimate target for the sell-off. So that's how I'm letting the waves kind of guide me. Uh, and that's the kind of setup I'm looking at right now in Bitcoin. You can watch that interview in full on Real Vision Crypto tomorrow. It's a great place to learn about crypto options. Imran, uh, especially encyclopedic on that topic. Finally, let's take a look at Ethereum price trading right now at 1963 Ethereum not enjoying similar gains lately. It's been down over the last seven days. Finally, some volume increases to talk about in Tether. Leslie, walk us through it. Yeah, so according to CoinMarketCap, Tether, crypto's dominant stablecoin, has seen the largest trading volume out of any crypto asset. And it's trading roughly about $60 billion in the last 24 hours. And this is really interesting because this comes despite regulators and investors 
continuing to express concerns over Tether's reserve assets. This is not a new story here, but uh, the FT ran an article yesterday headlining that Tether has held some reserves at Bahamas Bank Capital Union. Um, this continues to be part of this larger transparency narrative around stablecoins. Uh, Tether's dollar peg has been under stress. We've talked about this during our last Crypto Unwrapped episode as well, uh, where Tether briefly fell to 95 cents, uh, but has held that dollar peg ultimately and remains stable. Um, but it's widely known, right, that Tether has not uh, disclosed its full accounts. Um, this comes even after they settled their lawsuit lawsuit in 2021 for 18.5 million U.S. dollars with New York State. And when you compare Tether to another stable coin, such as USDC, for example, you can think of USDC basically as an onshore version of USDT that is relatively more transparent, has assets in their reserves that are regularly attested to by a leading U.S. auditing firm. Um, and that gives investors assurance that USDC is something that they can hold on to or that they can use for payments and trading purposes um, and is less likely to depeg because of this regular transparency report uh, that is made public. So um, Tether right now, I think it is, it's on its way uh, to making their transparency more known to the public. They're reducing questionable commercial debt that's being held in its reserves and rotating that into U.S. Treasury instruments. Um, they've told you know the, the the FT that in addition to that, they are um, holding these banking relationships with banks across the world. So diversifying where their assets are held, with which in and of itself um, is also something that's good to hear um, because of that concentration risk that can happen when you do have most of your assets with one counterparty. Um, but the question here is. Which banks are these, right? So right now we know uh, for a fact that it's the Bahamas uh, Bank Capital Union, uh, but we have yet to see which other banks are listed within uh, this this category. Um, so ultimately, I think you know with this Tether story, we're seeing more transparency, but there's always a lot more to go, and this ties in really well with you know our ongoing um, sort of story on Terra USD. Ash, we can't lose sight of what's happening here with that. The ecosystem has rebounded in the form of Terra 2.0, but we're not quite sure in terms of the assets that are core to this ecosystem, uh, particularly UST and Luna. Uh, we don't know whether these will actually remain resilient assets, right? So what's the latest on that front? Yeah, rebounded. Uh, I'm not sure I would say that. I would say this is really all over the place. Uh, so the new Luna post airdrop uh, off 75%. This is just some price data we're looking at here. Uh, the data, in fact, is all over the price place. You'll see different prices quoted on different exchanges and different ag aggregators. Uh, the initial price on CoinGecko uh, shows on my screen at $18.87, $18.87. Uh, I see a price right now of $7.38. It was trading in the five range. It ran up to the 11 range. Uh, it plunged over 75%. Uh, it doubled. This to me, again, highly, highly speculative. Uh, Bloomberg ran a headline yesterday calling it simply pure 
gambling. Uh, so take from that editorial statement what you will. Uh, Luna Classic trading under the ticker Luna C uh, right now with three leading zeros, 0. 0.00010. I mean, it's down over uh, 98%. Uh, finally, uh, the price discrepancy between Luna and Lunacy has opened up an exploit in the Mirror Protocol uh, with reported losses over $2 million. You know, I called UST uh, dollar te uh, Terra stablecoin uh, a science experiment. Uh, here's a little bit more um, that what I worry about is what's not being said. Again, these are highly speculative assets. I'm incredibly optimistic about this technology, but I wish we would hear more in the space about asset allocation, position sizing, risk management, position management, diversification, and the importance of doing uh, your own research, more of which we will be talking about on Real Vision in the weeks uh, and months to come. I wanted to bring in Ari Redboard, who is head of legal and government affairs at TRM Labs, trying to answer many of the questions that we've been asking here on Real Vision. Uh, what guardrails should have been in place to prevent what happened to Terra uh, and Luna? What needs to be done, Ari, to prevent it in the future? No, Ash, uh, thank you so much, and great to join uh, Great to join this group today. Um, look, you know, it's interesting. If this happened a year and a half ago or two years ago, I think we would see uh, regulators globally really scrambling to try to sort of deal with this issue, try to understand sort of what are the risks associated with stable coins, what are the risks associated with these types of runs. Um, I, I think it's a little different today because, quite frankly, regulators globally have been thinking about stable coins and how to regulate in the space now for a couple of years. Um, you know, it, it, for some perspective, you know, I, I was at Treasury in 2019 uh, when Libra launched, which was the now defunct uh, Facebook stablecoin project, and it was really an extraordinary moment. I mean, this idea of a, a, a stable asset backed by a basket of, of global currencies and sort of supported by the world's most important companies was really revolutionary at the time. Um, but this idea of sort of global reach, you know, hundreds of billions of potential Facebook users having access to digital money um, really caused regulators uh, to scramble. Um, but what really came from that was this beginning of what stablecoin regulation could potentially look like. And sort of, you know, people forget this, but, you know, no one had talked about stablecoins really in a meaningful way, certainly not regulators in 2019. But if you look back, FINMA, the Swiss regulator, was really the first one to talk about stablecoins. And it was in the context of uh, Libra's licensing request, um, essentially. But sort of what have we seen since then and sort of what what is the playbook? Um, you know, in, in November of uh, last year, the president's working group, Treasury and a number of other financial regulators published a paper that basically sort of set forth, you know, potential guardrails, potential, you know, regulatory action. Um, and essentially what it says is we should start treating stablecoin issuers like banks, which means sort of aggressive federal oversight. It means consumer and investor protection. It means potentially FDIC style, uh, you know, insurance uh, to sort of, you know, ensure that investors are not, you um, you know, losing uh, losing money if there, if there is a failure of some kind. One sort of really interesting note to all of this is, you know, really the first regulatory statement on how to deal with a failure like we saw in sort of the terror context really just came out yesterday uh, when the UK government came out and said, hey, we'd like to, uh, you know, put forth a consultation. In other words, sort of ask for feedback from industry and from the public um, on, on what to do here. But basically what they suggest is sort of um, an administrator steps in. Um, and really decides, hey, is this too big to fail um, from a systemic standpoint and then take certain actions? Or is this an issue where consumers should be first and we should sort of look to how we, um, you know, make consumers whole? 
Um, but regardless, uh, it's basically putting uh, sort of the power there uh, into in, the Bank of England to decide sort of how how an administration of a failed stablecoin project or other project would work here. So, um, look, I think the I think the sort of bottom line is there's been a lot of conversation already, even sort of in the context of the you know Biden administration executive order um, and really lots of of other guidance that have come out on this. And we're going to see regulation um, certainly, but I don't. I think that thankfully, what we don't have to see is scrambling to sort of understand maybe sort of what are the guardrails that you could put in place here. Ari, do you think that stablecoin regulation is able to be much more clear and pointed now because it's no longer in response to hypotheticals, but in response to empirical evidence uh, of a certain type of stablecoin that isn't able to exist is in this ecosystem uh, because of the mechanics of being uncollateralized, for example, or undercollateralized in the form of UST. Would that be yeah, a fair I mean, assumption? Let, yeah, Leslie, it's a great question. And I think a fair assumption. I mean, look, I think uh, up, up to now, uh, the re retort to sort of some of what Janet Yellen and others have sort of laid out has been, well, you know, that hasn't happened. And I do think that sort of, you know, having empirical evidence is sort of always helpful in a conversation if you're trying to move regulation forward, especially when ultimately this is going to come down to policymakers, likely legislators, who are going to have constituents uh, that potentially could be hurt uh, by some type of event like this. And, you know, there's nothing that moves legislation more than sort of motivated, uh, mo motivated, um, you know, legislators. Uh, who are dealing with sort of um, their constituents. So I think, I, I, you know, I think it's helpful. It provides some context. But I also think that, like, to be fair, regulators have been looking at this pot the potential for an event like this for some time. Mm -hmm. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. I'd like to bring a user question from MJHS on the Real Vision Exchange, where this person asks, what would make stablecoin systems more stable and sustainable uh, is smaller better. So smaller, I'm assuming in the form of just its scalability, right? Uh, UST ballooned to $18 billion quite quickly. Um, so I think this is a very fair question to ask, um, which is, you know, at what point uh, does the pace of growth become a hindrance to the stablecoin if the mechanism of how the stablecoin is able to peg to the reserve asset, right, is in and of itself not stable. So, um, Ari, do you have any initial thoughts on this particular question of whether stablecoin systems, uh, you know, how can they be made more stable and sustainable? Sure. Yeah, no, I think, uh, Ash, and then then you, Leslie, teed this up a little bit in, in, you know, a few moments ago with this idea of sort of, you know, the importance of doing due diligence. And, um, you know, more important than size or scale, really, is the ability to have transparency into sort of what is happening, you know, within a stablecoin project, for example. And you mentioned Circle and USDC. Obviously, like when you have more transparency, when you have more information about a product, it's much more easy to diligence that project. It's much more easy to kind of understand how to engage. So I, I think that sort of that transparency, um, you know, look, I, I think just like any crypto project or really any project, you know, at all, they're not all created equal. 
And I think one one sort of huge differentiator between different stablecoins projects is this is this is this degree of visibility, whether it's on reserves, whether it's on sort of the banking system, um, or really whether it's sort of get getting a proper audit. So um, you know, and, and for better or worse, today I think that is up to the consumer to sort of figure or investor to figure to to figure out. Um, but I think there's a lot out there on certain projects. There's much less out there on others. And to me, that is really still the key to, uh, to, to sort of knowing whether to jump in or not. Right. And transparency is one leg of this trifecta that we've been talking about in previous episodes, right? It's uh, when you're assessing whether a stablecoin is able to be resilient, it's understanding its stability, whether it's, you know, uh, able to actually peg to the reserve asset that it says it is uh, pegged to, right? What is that depegging risk? Second is this transparency. And third is redeemability or the liquidity risk uh, during market stress. So uh, thanks very much, Ari, for your comments there. I want to bring in another user question. Uh, This is from Ian Dunn from YouTube. He's asking about thoughts on Luna becoming uh, like a Dogecoin or a Shiba coin um, because of its reliance on meme pumps from retail traders. Marco, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, absolutely. So I think what he's talking about specifically is probably Luna Classic uh, because the price has dipped a lot. And, you know, with the new Luna token, we're seeing about technology. They are not they're pivoting away from an algorithmic stable coin. Uh, so pr- projects like Luna Classic are going to have to rely on the community for, you know, more interest and more growth since the, the team is pivoting away from it. So I think that that's something that we could see. I mean, we have seen similar projects pump like that. I don't know if it's going to become like a Dogecoin or a Shiba because I think those projects are a little bit different. Uh, and Luna was actually trying to accomplish something. But I guess that's uh, to be de- TBD to be determined. And we'll see what happens there. <laughs> well, Marco, there's certainly talk of new crypto mergers and acquisitions. What are you hearing on this front? Yeah, thanks, Leslie. So uh, this Luna debacle is definitely lingering in people's minds. People are concerned about prices. You know, every week here at Real Vision, we have technical analysts to talk about uh, price action. As we saw with the Imran Laka clip, uh, you know, many of them are feeling that there will be more consolidation on the way. But as it turns out, lower prices in a weaker crypto market may actually be good news for some, especially for those looking to get good deals on mergers and acquisitions. So uh, during the World Economic Forum event in Davos, Ripple and FTX, two of the biggest companies in the space, expressed interest in acquisitions and mergers as part of their growth strategy. Brad Garlinghouse, CEO of Ripple, noted that the company has a strong balance sheet and they're predicting, he's predicting that there will be an uptick in mergers and acquisitions in the coming months. He said, quote, I think there will be an uptick in M&A in the blockchain and crypto space. We haven't seen that yet, but I think that's likely in the future. And I certainly think as that unfolds, we would consider things like that. Likewise, Brett Harrison, president of FTX US, was quoted saying that the company was in a very good spot in terms of capital and cash, and that they're on the lookout for potential mergers and acquisition opportunities. Uh, FTX is particularly interested in companies that can A, help them get more users, or B, help them get more regulatory licenses. Now, if we take a look at the recent report from PwC, crypto mergers and acquisitions have already been on the rise. From $1 billion in 2020, up 55x, to $55 billion in 2021. Is that trend going to continue? Uh, well, so there are some comments from Peter Thiel, CEO of crypto miner Marathon Digital, and he recently told Coindesk that he expects consolidation in the mining sector to increase during this downturn as cash-strapped miners merge with stronger players. 
But on the flip side, Morgan Stanley wrote uh, that the venture capital activity peaked in December and says it could fall by as much as 50% by year end. So here's my overall takeaway. Companies that have invested wisely over this bull market conservatively and that have healthy balance sheets will be able to take advantage of this downturn and companies that overextend themselves will not. Uh, and I suspect that in the coming months, we're going to find out who is overextended, who's on the wrong side of trades, and who is cash-strapped and needs liquidity. Uh, and companies like Ripple and FTX will be waiting on the sidelines to, sto- to scoop up those amazing companies for good deals. Back to you, Leslie. As they say, in a bear market, cash is king, and that remains to be true in this market cycle as well. Now it's time for the favorite segment of the show, which is what we don't have time to talk about, but you need to know. Ash, what's your story for today? Uh, what we don't have time to talk about, but you need to know, Britain plans new safeguards for stablecoins that go bust in the wake of Terra's collapse. Uh, the UK government proposing new rules to manage the failure of stablecoin firms that may co- pose a, quote, systemic risk. Uh, to pick up on our Aries remarks earlier, uh, if it looks like banking and financial services, walks like financial services, quacks like financial services, it's probably going to get regulated like financial services, Leslie. My story of the day is a short one, nonetheless interesting. Uh, Singapore is looking at crypto use cases with the big dogs, DBS, JP Morgan, and MarketNode. They are in the first stage of what they call Project Guardian, where the MAS, uh, Singapore's central bank, will explore DeFi applications in wholesale funding markets. Marco, what's your story? Yeah, so uh, flipping to a more moving and uplifting story in the cryptoverse, my story is from the block crypto. Uh, crypto exchange WhiteBit buys Ukraine's Eurovision trophy in auction for armed forces. Uh, so Estonia-based cryptocurrency exchange WhiteBit has bought the Eurovision's winner, uh, crypt- the Crystal Mike from the Ukrainian rap folk band Kalush Orchestra at an auction. They bought it uh, over an auction held on Instagram over the weekend to raise funds for Ukraine's fight against the war in Russia. Uh, the money is expected to be used in drones, according to Bloomberg. Uh, so that's my story for this show. Well, that's it for this week's show. Remember, you can keep the conversation going in the comments section on the exchange and on our pro discord channel. If you're looking for more great crypto content, Rao has an interview with C-Ape, Follow Ape, and Valet Jones airing this Friday. Free content for all Real Vision crypto users. See you next week on Crypto Unwrapped. Thanks for watching, everyone.